What is going on, everybody? This is Gino Spirito back with episode 11 of the Gino Spirito podcast. I hope you all are having a great Monday, great start to the week. Today is January 25th. Um, like a lot of people who go to Cal State schools or even just uh, universities across the country, today was our first day of school. So shout out to all of those who uh, had their first day of classes today or are already back in school. Um, I uh, hope you all have a great semester. I hope you all had a um, great Christmas break and um, are ready to get back to work. I know uh, like a lot of you, you know, that are still in this uh, COVID slash Zoom uh, university <laughs> setup. It's very um, hard to find motivation just for the simple things in life at the moment, you know. And um, now you're being asked of um, another task to, you know, in my case, go and take 18 units, you know, or go and take uh, that along with having a full-time job to still be able to put food on the table and pay rents and pay electricity and pay all these other bills that you have and pay the ga pay gas, pay your car, you know what I mean? There, there's so much stuff that, um, you know, adds up uh, each and every day for a lot of people um, right now. And I hope you all uh, continue to continue to fighting, you know, um, a quote that has been helping me um, through this, uh, or I mean, a few a few quotes um, that have been helping me through this um, hard time is definitely been uh, victory is always possible for the person who refuses to stop fighting. Um, I feel like the reason why this this quote has been so evident in my life lately um, is just because you can apply it to everything, you know, victory um, in everything in life. You know, there, there's so many different victories that we can feel throughout a day. You know, a victory can be a Super Bowl, um, but at the same time, a victory can be as simple as getting up in the morning and being able to, you know, make yourself breakfast and live another day. So, you know, whatever your victory is, whatever, excuse me, whatever you're striving for and whatever, you know, that obstacle that you're trying to, uh, whatever, whatever you're just trying to get to, um, it's, it's all possible through your own work, through your own will and fights. You know, you, you just, you gotta keep fighting. You gotta keep pushing you know, we're all here. We're all trying to live the best life we possibly can at the end of the day. And, you know, for those of for those of you who don't know this or need to hear this, your life is worth living. Your life would have such is going to have such a tremendous impact. And if you let it slip, um, the amount of people who will be impacted by that will be far, far worse than the greatness that you can achieve if you continue to fight and you continue to push forward. So yeah, I really hope 
you know, those people who are starting back up school are just, you know, feeling, feeling like life is getting a lot, getting like a lot and, you know, trying to handle it at the same time. I hope you know that you can always continue to fight and there is a victory waiting for you if you continue to do so. So I, I really hope that, that, um, you know, you continue to do to do that and, you know, never give up on yourself. So yeah, um, without further ado, you know, let's get into it. Obviously, this weekend in the NFL was championship weekend. We had some two phenomenal matchups. One that featured, the first one I will be talking about, featured two of the quarterbacks that are arguably the greatest of all time. And we have Tom Brady and the Buccaneers going to Lambeau Field against the number one Packers team. Um, you know, obviously, Tom Brady coming to this game. Um, he is number one all time in the playoffs in uh, p- uh, passing completions, touchdowns, win, uh, game winning uh, drives, wins in general, passing yards. You know, the list goes on, obviously. Aaron Rodgers on the other side of the field is not um, to be talked about lightly, but um, the temperatures were below 40 degrees as well, and Tom Brady is 61-9 and nine in those games. And um, during this week, he uh, said about the, about the temperature that my mind doesn't slow down in the cold, but their bodies do. So, you know, a lot of things coming into this game – um, a lot of hype, and the thing that I talked about in my last podcast about what needed to happen for the Packers to win this game and the Buccaneers to win this game, um, it definitely we went in the Buccaneers' favor as it was very, um, I wouldn't say it was extremely close to the way wheat sits panned out but the buccaneers got a jump early um the packers had an opportunity to go for uh, a you know a score before the half and then another score since they would be getting the ball after the second half i mean after after halftime and going into the second half um unfortunately that was followed with an aaron Rodgers interception which led to a blown coverage and instead of it being 14 to 10 Possibly 17 to 14 Packers if they scored a touchdown. Um, it ended up turning into 21 to 10. As, like I said, Tom Brady hit Scotty Miller on a blown coverage, um, about a 39 yard score. And um, yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers uh, going into uh, the, the half while trailing in the postseason, his record stands at 1 and 7. So, um, Things were looking bleak for the Packers, but they did come back and make it a 28 to 23 game. Uh, they they unfortunately missed a two point conversion that could have made it a three point game. And um, once that happened, the game definitely escalated as Tom Brady threw two interceptions on the next two drives. But unfortunately, um, Aaron Rodgers in that tremendous offense could just not take advantage of these interceptions um they just were not moving the ball um but that defense was playing phenomenal and they continued to i mean regardless of if the packers were 
scoring or not, they continued to fight and keep it a one-possession game. And eventually, it became 31-23 to as the Buccaneers were stopped and held to a 46-yard field goal. And that followed the Packers um, finally getting the ball moving. And uh, with about 2.30 left uh, on a third and goal, Aaron Rodgers had an incompletion. And he... Um, had an open lane on the right side, obvious, honest, honestly. He could have probably ran that in or at least got it to the one-yard line um, to set up a fourth and goal that would have been a little more, con- you know what I mean, a little harder to um, call a field goal. But um, the most controversial play of the game came when Matt LaFleur decided to kick a field goal um, with about 2-12 left in the game to make it a 31-26 game. Um, and... I mean, they still had three timeouts, obviously, but put the put the game in his defense hands. And I mean, this call was very controversial. I mean, even when it was happening in real time, I could understand uh, as to why uh, Matt Lafleur did um, put his field goal unit on the field. As like I said. His defense had been playing pretty phenomenal in the second half. They had held Tom Brady to 29 yards and three interceptions um, in that second half when they were completely balling in the first half. But um, after the game, Aaron Rodgers came out and said that, you know, the decision was made and they just straight uh, straight moved on and like and they put the, you know, put the game in. In their defense hands, and unfortunately, it didn't fall their way as um, the person who had probably our, the worst game out of everybody was uh, Kevin Kane. He, I'll get into him more later, but he had a pass interference that was called to be a first down, and that about sealed the game as the Buccaneers took this one 31 to 26, and they will be advancing as the first team in NFL history to be hosting their oh to be hosting a Super Bowl at their own home field Tom Brady ended up finishing 20 for 36 with 280 yards passing and three touchdowns three interceptions um not much from the ground game uh Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones combined for 22 carries and only 81 yards uh but Leonard Fournette had a great 20 yard uh rushing touchdown and uh Chris Godwin um, you know, he had a couple drops early, but he did have that lawn ball that was um, a really good catch, a bobble. So he finished the game uh, at, at the top of the leaderboards for uh, receiving at five receptions for 110 yards. And uh, on the other side of the ball, Aaron Rodgers finished 33 for 48 with uh, 346 yards and three touchdowns and interception. Um, that three-headed monster that was able to dominate the Rams uh, and Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and A.J. Dillon didn't really quite do that against the Packers as those three combined for just 16 carries and 67 yards and uh, two fumbles, both being by Aaron Jones. One was lost. One was uh, recovered by Robert Tanyan. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, it was just, it, it was just one of those games. Like I mentioned uh, before, um, you know, the Buccaneers got a great start. Um, the Packers didn't take advantage of those turnovers, which was crucial in my opinion. Um, and yeah, I mean that, that two possession 
lead going into halftime was really, really critical. And then that fumble by Aaron Jones coming out of the half and making it a 28-10 uh, to 10 game uh, was really kind of, I don't, I don't want to say the killer because I know the Packers did come back and they did make it a game. It wasn't like it was a game over after that. But it definitely made the Packers' job a lot harder. And I feel like there have been, you know, obviously – the Packers, um, you know, they finished the year 13 and three, well, 14 and three, um, headed into this game. And, um, for the most part, they, they just hadn't really played behind all year, especially b behind by 18 points. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely made their job harder, but they did make it a game. Um, you know, I know that PI call on Kevin King was debated, was being debated, but I truly think that that was a hold. It was very clear and obvious um, after the game, seeing, seeing uh, you know, pictures of the game. Um, but, yeah, the, the Butts did exactly what they what they needed to do. They jumped on them early. Kevin Kane just could not catch a break. Uh, I mean, he got burned on the Mike Evans touchdown, and then he got um, bullied over by Leonard Fournette, and then he was the um, defender who blew their coverage in the um, fade to Strati Miller for a 39-yard touchdown before the half ended. And then he was obviously the guy who had the late P.I. call. So, yeah, Kevin Kane with not not a good outing, not did not help Aaron Rodgers. But for the most part, if you take Kevin Kane and everything that I just talked about out of the equation, this Packers defense held its own after Tom Brady got hot. And I feel like, yeah, you know, they could have done better in the first half, obviously. But when everybody started doubting them, when everybody was like, oh, God, it's 28 to 10. This Packers defense is trash. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to lose another conference championship because they get blown out as he has lost uh, the previous uh, two by more than um, two scores. So, you know, I, I could already see the narratives forming, but this Packers defense stepped up. They really did. When it was a 20 ball game and the Packers got an interception, all the momentum was in Green Bay's favor. That place was rocking, and Aaron Rodgers couldn't convert. And then on the next drive, they get another interception, and they could not convert again. It was, it was just a really unfortunate turn of events for the defense that honestly – was not playing good all afternoon, and that confidence finally was boosted. And their MVP, the guy who simply carried them. I'm not, I don't. You know, I'm not saying they would have been awful without Aaron Rodgers at the helm. But I mean, the man had 51 total touchdowns this year, four 4,400 passing yards. He only had five interceptions, you know, best record 13 and three in the NFC. And he's doing this all at 37. Obviously, you know, you think when you're up, when you're down 28 to 23 with all the momentum in the game and you're giving the ball back to this man after an interception, you're going to go down and score it and take the lead. So, you know, I, I, 
the first half, don't get me wrong, the defense was just it was it was bad. It was it was bad, but after that, the defense held its own, and I got to give them props there. But like I said from the beginning, the Packers put themselves in a very, very unfortunate situation with Tom Brady um, being the GOAT that he is. And it's tough to come back on him, man. So, um, yeah, I you know, Tom Brady advances to his 10th Super Bowl, which is the most all-time, as he is a six-time Super Bowl champion. We will see if we will um, have a sports icon of our generation reach that icon at seven. Um, obviously MJ had sits and we weren't really around for Bill Russell. I don't know if I have any older listeners. If you are older, thank you for tuning in. But, you know, we, we got to witness, um, Scotty, I mean, not Scotty Pippen. Well, Scotty Pippen also has hits, but we ought to w- witness Michael Jordan. I didn't get to, but I, um, you know, just, just during this time, you know, we, we got the last dance and we got to see that, for my generation, but you know, will Tom Brady beat that? Will he reach seven? I don't know. But um, on top of that, um, Tom Brady collected a half million dollar incentive for doing it, and I think 1.25 total million dollars in incentives uh, throughout these playoffs for winning the games that he has so far. Um, he also now has 31 touchdowns and zero interceptions in the red zone this season. I thought that was a pretty remarkable stat. You're not going to lose a lot of games if that is the case. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I feel like after this game, I finally realized that there is no point in hating Tom Brady. Um, I feel like I have been able to appreciate his greatness more and more as I've grown up, as I haven't been, you know, just that kid that loved the Chargers and would, you know, die for them and just ride for them extremely hard and just hate on all the possible people that were ruining our chances of winning the Super Bowl. Um, but I think now being the age I am, it's it's just greatness, you know, like, how can you hate on a man that is going to his 10th Super Bowl? He's going, um, you know, to the Super Bowl that is being hosted in Tampa Bay. So he's the first, you know, first team to ever host their own Super Bowl. And on top of that, you know, when he left New England, you know, you, when you're thinking back on what he was viewed as, in terms of quarterback play, when in New England, when New in- when in New England, sorry about that. You know, we were all saying that he was a system quarterback. You know, he only played good because of Bill Belichick. You know, he would regret leaving the Patriots. He was in a good system, a good scheme. Anybody could play in that scheme. And even as a five seed, didn't even win his division, had to go on the road. For three games, something he has never done, he still proved everybody wrong, and he is right back in the Super Bowl. I I just can't sit back and hate as much as some of these other people do, and I really hope that one day before Tom Brady retires, some of these people that I see hating on him, 
can come to their senses like I have throughout the years and, you know, still be disappointed that your team didn't make it. Don't get me wrong. Still be a little pissed off that Tom Brady is somehow doing this at 43 years old in his 44th playoff game. That's almost three seasons. Oh, my gosh. Just remarkable in the playoffs. You know, he, he'll be... It, it, it's just it's it's remarkable the things that he has done and I th- I feel as if it is his time to get the full credit that he deserves I feel like another narrative that I do not like seeing is that he is a traitor to the Patriots organization I kind of find that extremely hypocritical as this man brought you six Super Bowl rings and you had every opportunity to make it right, but all we heard last offseason was how he would regret leaving the Patriots, how Bill Belichick was the reason why their dynasty lasted, why he wasn't worth two years, 50 million, that the Buccaneers, the Chargers, and a few other organizations were willing to spend on a quarterback at his caliber. At, at, of his caliber. That's all we were hearing. And... Now that he's in the Super Bowl and he had a good season and you guys finished for the you guys finished in second in the AFC East. I'm no actually third in the AFC East. I believe the Miami Dolphins finished ahead of you and you guys had a lackluster season. You realized how much Tom Brady held it together, especially in the the latter half of his career. You know, those last three to four seasons when he was throwing to God knows who besides Julian Edelman, you know? Think about when Tom Brady had Randy Moss in the season they had in 2007, you know? Think about if Tom Brady always had a receiver of Randy Moss, a Calvin Johnson, you know, a DK Metcalf. Are you kidding me? It, the, his numbers would be absurd compared to they are, what they are now, and they are already absurd. So I feel as if it is finally time that we... D- truly appreciate Tom Brady you know this is coming from a Chargers fan somebody that has said he hates Tom Brady more times than I can count somebody that has seen Tom Brady beat my team's team in the playoffs three times now somebody that I have that has beaten my team regardless of which team he is on every single time I've ever watched so you know this is, it's, it's just time, like I said, you know. We have generational athletes at our fingertips with LeBron, with Tom, with Mahomes, you know. We've seen him come up. We're seeing KD, after an Achilles injury, still be the genera- generational talent he is. I, you know, I love the comparisons, don't get me wrong, and the debates of who is the best player of all time. But I think what I would love is if those comparisons weren't so evident compared to just appreciating these players. You know, I feel like every other day, it's always a comparison. It's always a debate. It's always who's better than this? Who's better than who? You know, oh, this guy's better than this guy because of this and all of this. But like, why can't we just compare these two guys and talk about how great they are in their own ways? You know, I feel like at the end of the day, the reason why that doesn't work in mainstream media is because it probably doesn't sell as much as a, you know, rivalry, as a fake beef, 
as a, you know, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I, I can understand it in that terms, but I think it's just time that we do start appreciating Tom Brady more. Um, but yeah, I, um, you know, we, we just can't be blinded to these, this, this greatness, you know, just one day, I promise there will be a last dance sort of documentary for LeBron, for Tom Brady. And I made a vow that whoever comes next in that line, if that's Kevin Durant, if that's even Steph Curry, you know, the Warriors team, I made a vow that I will be able to look at those documentaries and watch them with my children and with my family and remember how good they were and how great they were. I don't want to remember them because of how much I hated them. You know, maybe, yeah, like I said, hate is a strong word. So if, if you dislike it, that your team isn't winning, that's completely different. But hating, you know, completely hating, not even watching it, not even allowing, you know, not even accepting the fact of how great they are, then that's just being bitter. And you are just a hater. You know, like I said, there's a difference between being disappointed your team didn't make it and just being a hater. And I hope that that day, the last dance sort of documentary comes out for these generational players that are playing now. I hope you can look at these documentaries and be able to say, I was able to appreciate that in the moment. And I remember how freaking good they were. So, yeah. Something that I've been thinking about, but shout out to the Buccaneers, like I said, going to the Super Bowl for the first time since 2002. We'll be the first team to ever host a Super Bowl. Pretty remarkable, man. Shout out to Tom Brady because he's great. On to the AFC Championship game. This featured a game that had two of the up-and-coming, you know, guys in the NFL at the quarterback position, um, you know, you have Patrick Mahomes, who's already proven himself to be that player, winning, winning an MVP, winning a Super Bowl MVP, winning the Super Bowl. You have Josh Allen in this Bills offense, who have been playing remarkable these past eight weeks and the entire season, really. Um, in this tale of the tape before the game that I thought was interesting from ESPN, uh, there was four categories where they were ranking this Bills and Chiefs teams. And these four categories were the head coach, the defense, the number one wide receiver, and the quarterback. Head coach and defense went to the Chiefs. And the number one receiver and quarterback went to the Bills. So I thought that was an interesting graphic. Um, I don't know how Josh Allen, I'm not saying Josh Allen isn't a great quarterback, but I don't know. How Patrick Mahomes, a MVP, Super Bowl MVP, and a Super Bowl champion doesn't get that check mark. Um, you know, if you're going for overall receiver, maybe Stephon Diggs. But at the end of the day, Tyreek Hill is still that guy. You know, he's a cheetah. So I don't know how the Chiefs don't. I don't even know why this graphic was created, honestly. Um, but, you know, just more amp for the Chiefs as um the bills jumped on them early though and um surprising enough the um chiefs since the start of 2019 including the playoffs are eight and two 
and um, Patrick Mahomes starts when they trail by at least two scores. Um, as um, this happened again this game, and the Chiefs were able to score 21 unanswered points, and um, Andy Reid continues to seem as if he is just years ahead of literally every other head coach that he faces lately. Um, because I, you know, no matter how much points you are going to score against the Chiefs, you have to score more than that number, you think, because they can literally turn it on at any point. And I love Josh Allen. I loved his year. I thought he had a great year. But I think this game taught us that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are still ahead of everybody in the league, everybody in the AFC. Man, oh, man. That interception um, by Josh Allen when they were trailing by 31-15 at the beginning of the fourth kind of just took the life out of the Bills. And, um, you know, the Chiefs cruised to a victory. 38 to 24, they advanced to their second straight Super Bowl. Um, you know, this comes in their third straight conference championship appearance at home, as uh, Josh Allen finished 28 for 48 with 287 yards and two touchdowns and an interception. Uh, and he was the lead rusher for the Bills as well. He had seven carries for 88 yards. Um, and Cole Beasley and Stephon Diggs have a uh, had had a had a pretty good outing. 15 catches, um, 165 yards. But the Chiefs were just too much to handle as uh, Patrick Mahomes finished 29 for 38 with 325 yards and three touchdowns. And um, the dominant duo of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Um, were yet again too much for a defense to handle as in their two playoff games. They have 21, they have 38 catches total for 509 yards in three touchdowns. In two games, two games, that's how much they're combined but with, you know, they are the uh, first duo in a single postseason NFL history to have two games of at least 100 plus yards. So, and Travis Chelsea also, um, at the end of the first half, had nine receptions, which was tied for the most by a tight end in the um, first half of a playoff game. Since um, and that was that was tied with somebody who did in 1991. So, pretty remarkable stuff by the Chiefs. I mean, this this like I said, it, it got out of hand. I I, I got to be honest. Um, the Bills started off strong, and unfortunately, um, the Chiefs proved again why they are simply great. Um, you know. Patrick Mahomes uh, is having arguably the greatest three-year span, um, not only uh, for a regular quarterback, but a three-year span that is starting his career. You know, I, I think when I I think this is why you you at this point, regardless, you know, obviously it'd be nice of for Patrick Mahomes to win. Uh, the Super Bowl and to help booster this um, take but that's why you have to think of Tom Brady when you're comparing Patrick Mahomes to Tom Brady as you know Tom Brady did reach the Super Bowl in three of his um, in, in his first three years at the quarterback position um, I mean he reached the Super Bowl in three three times in his first four years at the as as the starting quarterback and he won all three of those court at he won all three of those Super Bowls. So if, if Patrick Mahomes were to make it, he would have 
made the Super Bowl in two of his first three years, but that's not, you know, who knows what will happen next year. And um, in that span as well, he's had 43 wins and only nine losses. He's had 131 touchdowns. He's had 15,900 yards, and he's already a three-time pro bowler. He's been an MVP, a Super Bowl champion, and a Super Bowl MVP like I've already mentioned. So it's just simply it's it's simply too much, you know. Like I just, man, oh man, they are the Chiefs are just so dominant, you know. And I feel like the question always gets brought up. These the you know this question that it's it's always been brought up these past couple of years is why what makes them so dominant, you know. And I feel like I've come to the conclusion that, you know, their coaching is just next level. Um, not because. You know, I feel like they have the best guys in the league at that coaching position when Andy Reid and Eric Benimi. But at the end of the day, it comes down to putting those right guys in the position as well as the style, the balls, and I mean even the confidence, the swagger. And then on top of that, you have all the talent in the world. You know, once a team like the Chiefs understand the capabilities that they can reach through their own confidence, through their own swagger, through their own style. You add coaching in there. You add the right scheme in there. You add a generational quarterback in there. Yeah, that's going to be pretty damn hard to stop. And this Butts versus Chiefs matchup, you know, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a really freaking good one. You know, the Brady has these boys rolling. Um, but the Chiefs are still the team to beat. And I feel like they've been the team to beat not only since last year, but the year before when Tom Brady went into Arrowhead Stadium, got a 34-31 victory in the 2018 AFC Championship loss. I feel like the Chiefs were still the team to beat that year, you know? I know Brady won, and oh yeah, Brady's you know the Brady and the Patriots. It's it's them again. I I really still feel like that year, the Chiefs were the team to beat. They're the reason they there, there was a reason they were the one seed, um, and there's a reason that they've had home field these um, three consecutive years. And I wouldn't be surprised if they have home field for the next five years. So, yeah, I'm really excited for this matchup. You have a generational quarterback that, who knows if he's gonna if he's gonna hang it up soon. You know, Tom Brady goes another two years. I wouldn't even be surprised at this point. But you have a generational quarterback that is in the later parts of his career, and you have a generational quarterback that will be here for many years to come. So, you know, I think we're gonna be getting a high scoring game, um, and I, I think we're gonna get our money's worth, and it's gonna be very very fun. So yeah. Great conference championship Sunday. Another NFL news, Matthew Stafford and the Lions agreed to part ways the same day the Chargers' ex-head coach, Anthony Lynn, was named their next offensive coordinator. thought that was pretty interesting. Obviously, um, Matthew Stafford, um, you know, Detroit's num former number one overall pick back in 2008. Um, I feel like, you know, Similar to some of these other quarterbacks that are, you know, entering free agency. If Matthew Stafford's in the right situation, 
there is just no doubt in my mind he can make something happen, you know. I feel like, you know, in his career, he's had 45,000 passing yards, 282 touchdowns, but he has so much to prove, so much more to prove in the postseason, being able to lead a franchise, you know. I think it's just very unfortunate that his career was in Detroit, but if he lands on a team like the Colts, the way Phillip Rivers was able to do that, the Bears, who already have a solid defense, solid weapons around them, especially if they re-sign some of the guys they have. Um, you know, if Matthew Stafford gets in the right situation, there's no there's no reason to not believe that everybody around him will elevate their play and be elite. The same way the Buccaneers were able to turn an 8-8, eight 9-7 and eight, nine and seven average team to this dominant team that has always had the talent, added a few more pieces, put the right guy at the QB position, boom, you're in the Super Bowl, you know? I truly believe if Matthew Stafford's in the right system, it could cause it could cause havoc. Um, but, yeah, you know, it, it, it'll, it, it'll be good for him. I think um, Detroit's trying to change the scenery as well, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in Detroit, but... I'm always looking forward to our Matthew Stafford plays uh, due to the fact that that man just, he's a baller. He, he continues to fight till the end. He reminds me a lot of Philip Rivers, the toughness that he has. I know this season was a lot of up and downs with COVID and being hurt. But all in all, that man is a, a baller. And, you know, he's just a dog at the end of the day. He wants to win so bad. So I'm really excited for that. Um, another quarterback that is in the discussion for possibly, you know, changing um, teams would uh, surprisingly be Aaron Rodgers. After the game, um, you know, he said that the hardest part about losing this game is that a lot of futures um, are in the air. They're uncertain and his himself included. Um, obviously, uh, the Packers did draft Jordan Love in the first round of this past of this past year's draft. Um, so that's, that's definitely what Rodgers is alluding to. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the Packers do. I feel like they have a very tough decision to make as, you know, will Aaron Rodgers come back after his MVP season um, and, you know, run it back with Matt LaFleur or will the Packers try to push him out the way uh, – Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers kind of happened back in uh, 2005 through eight. You know, it'll be interesting. Uh, there, in my opinion, there's no reason to get rid of Aaron Rodgers uh, yet, especially if he's willing to stay. Um, you know, I feel like the Packers have a great situation right now. They have a young head coach that obviously his team worked. There's a reason they were the one seed. I know they didn't get it done today, but there's a reason their offense was number one in the league. Um, they have the talent. They have the weapons. Their defense has been playing phenomenal all year, and they're only going to get better. Um, and, you know, just to risk that and start a guy who has yet to prove himself, you know, if he's not the – if he's not – it doesn't shape out like Aaron Rodgers did in that situation when you guys got rid of Brett Favre, it's like how would you feel? You know, I think this situation is a lot different than the Patriots situation with Tom Brady due to the fact that, you know, there is plenty of talent in in um, Green Bay. And it would suck if that got wasted on a bad quarterback play. 
you know, I feel like the Chargers got really lucky this year since Philip Rivers and them did part ways and we were able to, you know, draft a guy in Justin Herbert that completely balled out this year and, you know, we we didn't have to kind of search for a quarterback and it it, it feels as if this man is going to be our guy for a long time. You know, who knows what will happen, but that's the feeling at the moment. Um so yeah, it, it's you know you only come around these generational quarterbacks and franchise quarterbacks. Uh, um, you know it, it's hard to come around uh, sometimes for organizations, as you see. You saw the Browns go through it for so long, and I feel like now they finally have their guy in Baker. But it's um, it's definitely gonna be a tough one for the Packers to decide. But I feel like at the end of the day, it's Aaron Rodgers you're talking about. It's a guy who's coming off. Um, a year where he's 37 and he had the best career. He had the best year of his career. And I, I feel like you have to run it back with Aaron Rodgers, especially after that, especially after his chip on his shoulder, especially after another conference championship loss, more people to prove wrong. How do you not hire that? How do you not? So we'll see what happens. Um, and other NFL news, the chargers um, and Brandon Staley are uh, continuing to form his coaching staff as they hired um, this past year Arizona's assistant special teams coach, who uh, is Darius Swinton, as he enters his 11th season as um, an NFL assistant, as um, he has plenty of experience uh, with um, a vast array of, of teams, as he was in Chicago, Denver, Kansas City, the Rams, and obviously this year with the Cardinals. Um and also in Detroit for a, a, a brief training camp. Um, he reunites with uh, Jeff Rogers, who he worked with in Chicago and Denver. Um, you know, the, the Cardinals were ranked 10th in uh, special teams efficiency last year as the Chargers were ranked dead last. So I'd obviously think that is an upgrade. As, and also due to the fact that um, our previous uh, special teams coordinator, his his name, I cannot. It's okay. I I don't even want to look it up. Um, but his best season with us as a special teams coordinator, we peaked at twenty fifth in the NFL in special teams efficiency, and that was back in our two thousand eighteen run. Um, and you know. If that's the peak, you know, 25th, still the bottom fourth of the league. Uh, oh, George Stewart. Sorry about that. That's, that's who has been our special teams coach who ended up getting fired um, this past season. Um, if that's the peak, then, you know, anything above that is great. So I'm, I'm excited for this. Um, and Joe Lombardi, who is currently the Saints quarterback coach, um, is the likely next offensive coordinator for this team. Um, he has a connection to, um, Brandon Staley as, or he was the, um, defensive line, uh, coach as, uh, Staley was the quarterback at Dayton. So they have a connection there and we'll see if that does become a real hire. Um, you know, Joe Lombardi has plenty of years of experience. I know everybody thought this was controversial because, his years in Detroit weren't the best, but he was playing in Detroit, and those were arguably the best years the Lions had. 
And, um, you know, he wasn't just in New Orleans because he looked pretty, you know. There's obviously some rapport there with Drew and Sean Payton, and there's a reason he was there, the reason they trusted him to be there. Like I said, they won 49 games in the past four years. I know there was postseason disappointment, but that's still really good. Still a lot of experience um, that was gained through working with Sean Payton and Drew Brees, I'm sure. Um, experience that will come a long way, especially with mentoring Justin Herbert. Um, and Brandon Staley even said that when he was able to be a part of the Saints offseason uh, program, the reason that got him so motivated to be the best coach he could be was the way that those three prepared, Sean Payton, Joe Lombardi, and Drew Brees. So obviously he saw something there that even motivated his own coaching philosophies and I think that goes a long way so I am very excited to hopefully have him as the next offensive coordinator for the Chargers you know that's it's all the NFL news that I wanted to talk about today um but some other Monday motivation you know I feel like I, I really like talking about that um I, I think I'm gonna start doing these I think I'm gonna start doing some Monday motivations um because I know I trust me I have my fair share of anxiety my fair share of um, thoughts that creep in from here time to time whenever they <laughs> find it best to creep in. Um, but just some quotes that, um, you know, I've either heard from my peers uh, with my fraternity or just other quotes that I try to live by. Um, one, uh, I actually heard this from my friend Nick who's in my fraternity, the president at the moment, the acting president, create the life you can't wait to wake up to. And I know you're saying, Gino, how am I supposed to create the life I want to live up, wake up to when I can't even do 80% of the things that I used to be able to do? And trust me, I get it. But it's about setting the building, it's about setting those blocking, those building blocks to the success that you were trying to obtain right now, you know? A lot of my friends are grinding and getting their bad right now, uh, regardless of all of the things that are going on due to COVID, due to the stay-at-home order that is still in effect. You know, I, I, I think people that are continuing to make an excuse due to other reasonings outside of they simply have to quarantine because of family members, um, you know, they, they, they're, for, they're in a situation that is not allowing them to do some of the things that they're doing. Um, I feel like, you know, there's still a lot of things that you can be doing during this time to better yourself for when everything can go back to normal, you know? And at the end of the day, it's, it's through your own will, your own perseverance to do so, you know, to create that life. You know, I, I, I'm not saying that, you know, you are going to have everything at the moment due to all those circumstances, but get to the peak of what you can now. So when we do start, you know, getting back to normal, doing the things that we're able to do, you're already one step ahead of the people that during this quarantine didn't do shit, sat on their ass said it was too much, uh, or, you know, people that unfortunately couldn't 
and they had to stay at a certain level, you know, being one step ahead, one step closer to those ultimate goals didn't go a long way in the future. So, yeah. And I think this, uh, I th this, this uh, quote was first brought to me by my dad when I was applying for colleges and talking about what I wanted to do um, in college, my goals. He, he told me to, uh, in, in context, I'll, I'll say what he said in terms of college, but this quote in general applies to everything else. Push yourself because nobody else will do it for you. And my dad, when he was telling me this quote, when it first got brought to me, um, he, he, he was referencing the fact that in college, a lot of these professors, you know, even like the deans, um, uh, your academic advisors, your TAs, whoever you're talking about, these people are not going to give you the motivation to push you to do your assignments the way maybe you were helped as a high schooler. Because at the end of the day, it should be your responsibility to feel motivated to do those things. So my best advice and the reason why I love it so, this so much and just like, you know, at the end of the day, the only person you have is yourself. And I think a lot of people say that, but don't understand what that truly means. Um, because when you are alone in your room, you're in your own thoughts, that's the time where you're truly able to reflect on how much you truly accomplished in this life. You know, you can fake it till you make it with all these people. And who knows, maybe you live till you're 70 and everybody thinks you were the hardest worker ever, but you're the one who knows if you cheated or not. You're the one who knows if you use certain advantages uh, to help you get to the level you got to. So, you know, continue to push yourself because nobody else is going to do so. Nobody else is going to give you that because they're trying to do the same as that thing. And the best thing you can do in this life is be your number one supporter, be your number one fan. Continue telling yourself how well you're doing because at the end of the day, through everything, you're always going to be that person for yourself. So, yeah. Uh, some NBA news. Um, obviously, after Kyrie Irving and the Nets lost to the Cavaliers, he posted not to trip for uh, Nets fans. He said, don't trip. It's a long journey. We will be on that stage, the stage where the best of the best meet, the main stage, as you know. Um and uh, I thought this was interesting because it made me think about, you know, will the Nets make the finals if they continue um, to play the way they have been? I'm not saying they've played, been playing bad. I, I, it's, you know, I, I feel like they're, this, this trio is still getting used to each other. But uh, they do currently sit in fifth place in the East behind the Pacers, Celtics, Butts, and the Sixers. Um, I think... The experience level for the Nets is, for their starters, it's definitely there. I mean, KD has two reigns. Kyrie has a reign. James Harden has been to the postseason plenty of times. Um, but you think about their bench depth, you know, how 
um, how should they, uh, you know, work around that, their defensive capabilities, how their defense will be. Um, you know, it, it's definitely a lot to think about. Um, if you're a Nets fan, you know, I, I know you have the star power, all the star power in the world, but, you know, if you're 15th in defensive efficiency, that's not going to get the job done. Um, especially with how the Sixers are playing right now, I feel like they're definitely um, the best team in the East at the moment, in my opinion. Um, Joel Embiid is playing at an MVP level. I think the addition of uh, Doc Rivers um, actually really benefited the Sixers. Um, and he additions like Dwight Howard as well. Uh, so we'll see how the Nets do in the next couple of weeks. Um, but the Sixers are definitely the team to be in the East. Um, this week, Steph Curry also passed Reggie Miller for uh, all-time three-pointers made as he is now uh, above 2,560. Um, it was really touching uh, to see Reggie Miller give him a shout-out during his presser. Also, that video that him and the NBA made was really cool. Um, but Steph Curry is definitely another one of those cases for appreciating greatness while it's here. I'm going to give you a quick stat. Obviously, Reggie Miller was the one who was just passed um, as he now sits third all-time in three-pointers. And Ray Allen has the number one spot at 2,973. Obviously, Steph Curry is at 2,561 now. Um, Ray Allen did that in 1,300 games. And Reggie Miller accomplished 2,560 in 1,389 games. Steph Curry is at 2,561, sitting at second with only 715 games played. That is, you know, about half of the games that Reggie Miller and Ray Allen have both played, if you do simple math. Um... You know, obviously the NBA has evolved since Reggie Miller and Ray Allen played, and I'm sure that they possibly would have gotten a lot more touches, a lot more looks at three if the NBA was at the level it is now with uh, the three-pointer um, being as efficient from the th – and, like, the reason being is, you know, the, the, the best teams in the league are, you know, definitely on the more efficient side from three. I feel like it's become a – need for a team in the NBA like if you don't have three-point shooting it's going to be tough to win in this league um but you know it's really remarkable what Steph has done in such a short time um and you know once he reaches that 3,000 mark it's nobody's ever reached that one and two he still only played in you know maybe I, you know, I don't know if this will if it'll be at the end by the end of this season he'll hit 400, but I, I'm sure by the end of next season he he definitely will reach that mark. And you know, if he's if he plays another five to seven years, who who who, how many threes do you think he could even reach? You know, four thousand, five thousand, like we'll we'll see. But it's definitely game changing and really cool to see. Um, in other NBA news, uh, you know, on the light side, Demarcus Cousins. Uh, had his best game since returning from injury as he put up 28 points and 17 rebounds um, in the Rockets' latest game. Um, and, you know, it, it's really good to see this man come back. You know, it, it's it's tough uh, when you see a player 
go through injury after injury. I feel like another player that's um, maybe DeMarcus Cousins isn't on the level of D. Rose as he wasn't like an MVP or anything, but DeMarcus Cousins was definitely, you know, a all-star, a player that was changing the way the game was being played at the center position. And, you know, through injuries the past three to four years, he's definitely, it's definitely hindered um, his ability, but it's really good to see him out there, really good to see him put up those numbers. Um, him and John Waller bat together, so I'm sure once they get a, a little bit more of a rapport and uh, get things going in Houston, I, I have no, I don't think the Rockets will necessarily win a championship with the team they have now, but there's no reason why they couldn't make the playoffs and be a good team. Uh, so, yeah, it's good to see DeMarcus Cousins back. Um, and in Lakers news, they, they got the, the win over the Bulls on Saturday, 101-90. Um, excuse me, I know that that score um, is only an 11-point win, but I feel like that doesn't really reflect how dominant the Lakers were, especially Anthony Davis as um, coming into this game. He had five straight with under 20 points, and he even said that he feels like he's been sucking lately. I don't necessarily think he's been sucking, <laughs> but... Uh, but he does have a game in his hometown of Chicago. Drops thirty-seven, sits in three. Um, so I thought that was I thought that was great. Uh, Anthony Davis played phenomenal. The Lakers have the Cavs tomorrow. Uh, I mean, not tomorrow, tonight at five. Um, that should be a good one. As the Cavs have been playing at a really high level, like I've mentioned before in this podcast. Uh, so yeah, that should be good. Um, and another stat that I thought was interesting. With LeBron and people talking about how he's only had one 30-point game this season, um, is he's playing a career low in minutes, which is 32 a game. You know, still decent minutes, but a career low for him personally. Yet the Lakers still sit in second, but they are tied with the best record in the West. The Clippers just have the advantage at the moment at 13-4. and four. And I feel like th- that reason alone, LeBron playing... His career low in minutes, yet the Lakers are still 13-4 and four and tied for the best record in the West. I still feel like that is why the Lakers are the team to beat at the end of the day. Because when it becomes playoff time and LeBron starts playing, you know, 38, 36, 38, 30, 40 minutes a game. And those uh, possessions that maybe went your way because we had our bench on the floor. And these guys that are still, you know, uh, trying to just build confidence trying to build work on their game in real time action like THT Alex Caruso you got um you know Kyle Kuzma still in there um you know when you got some of these guys that are playing um more minutes at the moment uh when it comes to playoff time I'm not saying that Alex Caruso and like some of these key bench guys won't be in the game but they won't be in the game for as long as they are now and that'll definitely be the difference and I feel like the reason why the Lakers are still the deepest team in the entire NBA um and why uh and it also comes down to the defense of efficiency and I mean the Lakers incredible defensive game against the Bulls still number one in the NBA in their efficiency um so yeah I feel like that is definitely why they are still the team to be um moving forward so um, it'll be a good game tonight against the Cavs, a, a young team who's been playing with a lot of heart. Colin Sexton having a great season, averaging 27 um, in his in his third-year campaign. So that'll be good. Um, but, yeah, today um, is January 25th. Like I said, this is episode 11 
of the Gino Spirito podcast. I hope you all enjoyed listening. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And as always, I'll see you all on Wednesday. I hope you all have a great uh, start to your week. And I will see you then. Thank you for listening.